Bankless Nation, welcome to another episode of State of the Nation. David, you are on the ground somewhere. You're in uh, NFT NYC. How's that going, man? Oh, a ton of fun. There's actually been a ton of surprises. Uh, Quentin Tarantino showed up at NFT what? NYC. Yeah, to talk Pulp about. Fiction. Yeah, I heard I, about this. I, uh, yeah, he's uh, talking actually right right as we speak. So yeah, a lot of cool things happening at NFT NY, NF, NYC NFT. That's awesome, man. Well, I can't wait to hear more about it. But today we're actually going to be talking about an NFT related concept. It's sort of tangential to NFTs, but it's very much related to crypto gaming and the metaverse and everything else associated with this. This is the dawn of crypto gaming with Robbie from Immutable X. David, why is Immutable X a story that is emerging? And how is that going to scale out this this dawn of crypto gaming? Yeah, the story of Immutable X, I think, is a really, really fantastic one. Immutable started off as a gaming studio focused on building uh, crypto games, uh, famously Gods Unchained, uh, which is like a Hearthstone kind of type game, but with actual uh, NFTs for the cards. And in the process of making this crypto game, uh, the team over at Immutable, Robbie, uh, they figured out that the Ethereum L1 is not going to be the place for the home of crypto gaming. So they needed to build out a scaling solution. This is back in like 2018, 2019. And by the way, I... I love how they figured that out by actually right. trying to build something. It's not like right. a pie in the sky, like maybe it doesn't, right. you know, maybe it's not mm-hmm. going to scale. They actually tried and it mm-hmm. didn't work. Right. Uh, I mean, the game was fun to play. It's just like as soon as gas fees stopped being one guay on Ethereum back in you know, the good old days of the bear market, uh, the, everything about like crypto gaming broke. Uh, and so they realized that they needed to scale on a layer two. Uh, and so they have produced Immutable X, a ZK rollup using uh, Starkware's technology uh, and now have produced one of the pro- probably the fastest, most scaled NFT optimized uh, layer two. Uh, that we have available to us today. Uh, and so this is just coming, uh, just launching right around now. They have their IMX token, which just came out, uh, and a, a, a bunch of crypto games and just metaverse-related soft uh, software gaming infrastructure is being deployed on Immutable X. And so we are going to explore all of what's going on with Immutable X with Robbie, the CEO of Immutable. I feel like this is a story in three parts. Like, number one, it's about scaling NFTs. Number two, it's about scaling Ethereum in general. And number three, it's about the start of the metaverse, which we believe our thesis is it's going to start with crypto games and uh immutable x is really the intersection of all three of these things i love uh the the also another piece of the immutable x story is they didn't take shortcuts okay they went the hard route of building on layer two uh and maximizing for decentralization which of course with our modular blockchain thesis uh this this is very much we think a a long-term game and, and very much a part of the future so they've also david some stats um they're powering tiktok's first nft release okay right like tiktok the social media platform they've just seen a 10x increase in volume over the last month Uh, they've had 115 projects that are now building on immutable x and they just broke uh coinless's registration record uh for a coinless sale and that was actually since broken by gods unchained which is a game on top of immutable x so a a lot of wind in their sails as we're entering this conversation uh can't wait to uh to hear more from robbie yeah, not, not just that, but ESL, which is not something I'm familiar with because I'm not really deep into the uh, uh, esports league, but apparently ESL is like the, apparently the largest esports organization, hosts esports tournaments all around the world, has almost a million followers on Twitter. They are partnering with Immutable X. And so Immutable has done a fantastic job of outreach and onboarding just non-crypto gaming uh, stuff into the world of crypto gaming. Uh, so we, we all know that NFTs are blanketing the earth right now. Uh, and as it relates to gaming, uh, Immutable X has done a fantastic just like BD effort building out um, just their partnerships. If you want to get your head wrapped around the the metaverse as well, this gets into some announcements and things we've we've got uh, that have just recently come down the pike. Take a listen to our metaverse podcast. It's it's actually called Mental Models for Web Three. It's very much about Web Three and the metaverse. These things are tied together together with Chris Dixon, and he lays out five mental models for Web Three in this transition from Web Two to Web Three. And I think like. If you're, if you're looking to get from zero to 60 really quickly, that is the best way to do it. Go digest everything that, that Chris Dixon says in that episode. That episode came out on Monday. Uh, another update for the Bankless Nation, David, we've got Dharma who's scaling some things as well. Dharma, of course, is a smart contract wallet that we've talked about before on Bankless. David and I are hugely bullish on smart contracts wallets. And um, the thing that's been holding them back is no longer going to be the thing that's holding them 
them back, which is high gas fees because they're starting to build on Polygon. They're starting to build on layer twos. And Dharma has just rolled out its Ethereum and Polygon experience. It's really awesome. What I love about this, David, is that this is the easiest way to go from bank account, from the old fiat world into, into crypto, okay? It's like seamless user experience. So the old way of doing things, of course, the way you and I came across that bridge into crypto is you go to Coinbase, you buy your ETH, you wait a few days, you have to get it from your bank account um, to Coinbase, of course, and you have to transfer to, to MetaMask, you have to bridge to Polygon, transaction approve, all of this. Not with Dharma, okay? This is how easy it is. You download the Dharma wallet, on your app, on your phone, okay? You connect to a US bank account. So whatever, you have Wells Fargo, you have Bank of America, just make the connection. That's another two to three minutes. You get to choose from whatever token is on uh, Polygon and, you know, 80, 000, almost 80,000 tokens All the, available the tokens for that you. you want, they're there. Everything you want, right? <laughs> and then uh, Dharma helps you always get the best rate. So this is the, the new DeFi, the new smart contract wallet experience. I think that is going to bring mainstream to crypto. So we're super excited to partner with uh, Dharma who's sponsoring this to get the word out about their new release. Go check out that app. Oh, last thing, David, What's what do Bankless uh, Nation members get? Actually, anyone listening to this get what do they get if they sign up using the uh, the code in the podcast? Yeah, they get $50 of the best asset ever on Polygon. So if you sign up using bankless.cc slash dharma, that's D-H-A-R-M-A, you get $50 of ETH deposited into your account on the Polygon network. So no fees even related to that too. Paying you. They're paying you to download this, Pay, yeah. this yeah. app in real that's money. That's how much too. they want you. Yeah, that's, how they, that's, how they, that's how you know you're loved. They, want, they love you with $50. Uh, $50 in ETH. All right, guys. Well, uh, let me ask you, David, the question I ask before every single state of the nation, which is this. What is the state of the nation today, sir? We are gaming, and that has been the state of the nation before. And I think it actually might have been the last time we had Robbie on to talk about Immutable X was also the state of the nation. <laughs> gaming. But now, now the games are actually here. Things like uh, Gods Unchained, uh, Illuvium is coming online. Um, uh, there are many, many games coming to the uh, Immutable X Layer 2, uh, and I can't wait to... Uh, ignore work and start gaming. <laughs> apparently, the games well, are no, going to no, start no. paying me. Sir, sir, that is work. Okay. <laughs> yes. Right. We're, yeah. we're fusing mm -hmm. the two. Mm -hmm. We're fusing work mm -hmm. and fun in this crypt in mm -hmm. these crypto gaming economies. You no longer have to justify while you're playing a game right. because you're actually mm -hmm. going to work, aren't you? Right. In yep. a way. Mm -hmm. Honey, can you get off the computer? It's like <laughs> I gotta bring home the bacon. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Daddy's working yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, that that world, that metaverse world where we're paid to game is, is being built right now as we speak. And part of that story is Immutable X. Well, the title of this episode, guys, is The Dawn of Crypto Gaming because we really believe it is in the earliest of phases. This really is the dawn of crypto gaming. So we want to thank the sponsors who made this episode possible. And then we'll be back with Robbie for our discussion. Bankless is proud to be supported by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum, which is what Ryan and I call a money robot. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap Grants program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. It's almost $3 billion. This mountain of capital is looking for labor. Do you have something of value to contribute to the Uniswap DAO? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a uni grant at unigrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. That's exactly what we did to get Uniswap to be a sponsor for Bankless, and you can do the same for your project. Thank you, Uniswap, for sponsoring Bankless. Gemini is the world's most trusted cryptocurrency exchange. I've been a customer of Gemini since I first got into crypto in 2017, and it's been my main exchange of choice to make my crypto buys and sells. 
Gemini is available in all 50 states and in over 50 countries worldwide. And on Gemini, there are markets for over 30 various different crypto assets, including many of the hot DeFi tokens. And it's one of the few exchanges that has liquid DAI markets. Gemini just launched their Earn program, where you can earn up to 7.4% interest on 26 various crypto assets. If you're tired of paying fees in DeFi, or you don't want to worry about DeFi exploits, but you still want to earn interest on your crypto assets, Gemini Earn is the product for you. Another product I'm stoked to get my hands on is the Gemini Crypto Back Credit Card, which gives you 3% cash back on all of your purchases, but paid to you in your preferred crypto asset. When I get my Gemini credit card, I'm going to make sure that I get my cash back in ETH. So whenever I buy something, I get a little bit of ETH bonus back to me at the same time. You can open up a free account in under three minutes at gemini.com slash go bankless. And if you trade more than $100 within the first 30 days after sign up, you'll be gifted a free $15 Bitcoin bonus. Check them out at gemini.com slash go bankless. Bankless Nation, I'm here with Robbie Ferguson, who is the CEO and co-founder of Immutable. Robbie, welcome back to the show. Thanks, David. Great to be here. Cheers. You, we've had you on the show before, two times actually, one time for a show about Immutable, another yep. time for a panel on scaling layer twos. Yep. Uh, but for the li a lot of new listeners to the bankless world and the, to crypto at large, uh, so can we just speed run the last like two years of Immutable history? Like, Where did you guys start? How did you guys get here? What are you guys yep. up to now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so founded originally four years ago, nearly now, and we started off in NFT gaming. So we saw NFTs come out in 2017. I've been in Ethereum since 2015, Bitcoin since 2014, and I was absolutely obsessed with NFTs when they came out. I'm like, this is going to change the future because finally you can own anything rather than just fungible stuff. And most of the world's made up of anything. And in particular, I thought gaming would be the vertical that would take off first because you have a massive centralized analog for demand where people spend $100 billion on stuff they don't own every single year. And so we started out building literally a prototype game on Ethereum called Etherbots. That was literally four years ago now. Um, and then expanded into Gods Unchained, which actually just launched its token last week. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really exciting. But really, over the last two years, we've been focusing on building NFT infrastructure for anyone to build very easily on Ethereum. Um, and so now we're actually powering Disney, Marvel, uh, via Comey, um, powering ESL. We have a couple of exciting things, I think, coming out between when this is recorded and when we go live. Um, we just closed our Series B. We're about to have the Immutable X token float um, literally on Friday. So, yeah, we're making big moves um, and we're excited for the next scaling step for Ethereum as well. The immutable story, I think, is so fantastic because it really, really starts with you guys making Gauze Unchained. The immutable, correct me if I'm wrong, but started off like, hey, we have this great game. It's called Gauze Unchained. For all the Hearthstone players or Magic the Gathering players, this is a game like that where you actually own your cards. Um, but the problem was that like building on the Ethereum L1 wasn't good. It was just bad. It was a bad experience for the users, bad experiences for the de yeah. developers. And so you guys were primarily focused on building the game. And then you realize that building on the L1 sucks. Uh, yep. And so that's where the story of Immutable X comes in, the actual layer two. Uh, can you just like, kind of go through the experiences of why building a game on the L1 is bad and why building yeah. on a roll-up is better? Of course. And, and actually, uh, I, we always wanted to make infrastructure because mm. you know, I'm not a game developer. Um, my, my vision for games is that I love them and I love mm -hmm. playing them as a kid, but you know, I'm, I'm not an expert game designer. Uh, but we wanted to take a leaf out of you know, Valve to you know, speak of Satan after their move a couple of weeks ago, uh, where they built Counter-Strike Go and then leveraged that into Steam. Mm -hmm. um, because having effective primary content is often the main way you can A, build a successful platform, but B, get the users for that platform initially. And so we thought of a similar thing with Gods Unchained. Like, let's take literally the coolest exemplar of how you can use NFTs in gaming technology, which is a trading card game, um, and, and kind of popularize it through that, and then use that as lessons to build this NFT platform for scaling. Um, but the lessons were crazy, which is like, it's very, very difficult to scale a real mainstream game on ETH L1. Mm -hmm. There's been a massive amount of volume on L1 recently, but they've all been in speculative assets where every NFT trades for you know, at least a grand. Right. And 40 bucks in gas fees doesn't really matter if it's you know, a couple of percent of the overall price. Uh, but if you're a game developer and you want to mint, literally, you know, we're working with customers who want to mint hundreds of millions of NFTs a day, you can't do that in L1. Um, and in fact, you definitely can't do that in any other alternative L1. You really need the sort of speed that a roll-up is going to bring. Um, and the other thing was, how do we want to design the nature of just the 
integration itself. Um, and that was, we didn't want to build something that was smart contract based, we wanted to build something that was API based, so you could literally like drop it in a Unity client, um, very, very simply build your gaming infrastructure on top mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. And the, just to recap, going through some of the basics, uh, one of the th reasons why we love crypto gaming, asset-based gaming, is because, like, again, for so many reasons why people collected baseball cards or Magic the Gathering cards and why Magic the Gathering cards actually had a secondary market value is because people owned them. Uh, and then we get into the world of like things like Hearthstone, where it's the same game, same format, but like it's imbued with the magical powers of a digitally native game. But in the same time, you lose the ownership, right? You lose the actual ability to own the own cards. Uh, and so this is where like things like crypto gaming really come into, into the, the story here, where you get the power of owning your own cards, and then you also get the power of the digitally native platform, which really imbues the best of both worlds into the same into the same story. Precisely. Yeah. I mean, like the cool thing that I think gaming did was it showcased one how you can utilize like I think there's a there's a great degree of similarity between gaming and Web three in that they're both leveraging sort of like cost of acquisition, retention me uh, mechanisms. And so when you look at the advantages that Web3 is going to bring, it can actually be said in terms of those traditional cost benefit measures. Mm -hmm. um, so like, look at cost of acquisition of gaming, look at file coefficients, all of these things. If you turn the items users are earning into real assets, mm -hmm. you suddenly have fundamental improvements on these like core aspects of economics of gaming. Um, and then you get into the exciting things of like, well, OK, that's just sort of improving Web2 gaming. What does Web3 gaming look like in terms of an entirely different paradigm? And that's, well, like you have share to earn, you have digital relations, economies, and, and you kind of invert the relationship of um, the, the creator-consumer relationship. And instead, it's like UGC is creating the content. Um, but I, I, I kind of see exciting things in both. I see the, the Web3 or skeuomorphic, as the popular word mm -hmm. is right now, of translation is um, how can you take the traditional metrics on which people have competed on gaming for the last two decades, which is cost of acquisition, retention, ARPU, and use gaming to make those nuts. Like, mm -hmm. you know, your, your retention is 10 times higher because not only are people earning actual economic value, but they own the underlying protocol. Um, and then you take that and you say, well, awesome, but let's also start innovating in terms of Web3 monetization and, and Web3 UGC. Fantastic. OK, so let, let's fast forward to where we are right now yep. in Immutable's history, yep. because we are at an, an inflection point of Immutable's history. Yep. Like, it's, it's showtime for you guys. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so like, uh, tell us about like, just what's going on like, right now with Immutable. Yeah, uh, so we've had a crazy few months, to be honest. So last month, we tripled Polygon's NFT mm -hmm. volume. Uh, we launched TikTok's first ever NFT play. Mm -hmm. uh, we're working with some of the biggest brands in the world. But the thing I'm actually most excited about is the fact that uh, the majority of our value from last month came from people who just built on our protocol without you know, mm -hmm. having to work with us directly. Like we obviously um, talk to them and, and work with these people, but like it's not like a big brand we're onboarding. Mm -hmm. They're literally just building on our APIs permissionlessly. That's definitely what excites me the most, I think, because A, when you look at where the future volume of this protocol is going to come from, it's probably not going to come from us doing big deals with brands. I mean, that's exciting. It's an important part of the mm -hmm. business. That's where I think it's important that a company like Immutable is here to fend off the heavily VC-backed, you know, competing layer ones, because all of them are going nuts with BD teams and like Ethereum needs one of its own. But the thing that most excites me is like this flywheel of, of people just building because it's from that massive long tail of like 10,000, 100,000 customers, like, you know, indie game devs, uh, people building PFP projects, whatever is the next thing, mm -hmm. that you're going to have the biggest hits. Like the way I like to think about it is, you know, um, Immutable was literally a random inbound customer to Ethereum. And like we didn't ever talk to the right. Ethereum team. Um, you know, I, I, I tried at various points and got various reactions. <laughs> but like it's not as if they're there to help you with custom success and support right. and integration. It's just like, hey, we're here mm -hmm. building us. Like, and, and that's the benefit of Web3 as well is like you don't have to rely on that platform. They're not mm -hmm. going to fuck you because they can't. Right, absolutely, yeah. I love that analogy of like Immutable didn't have to ask to build on Ethereum, and also people don't have to ask to build on Immutable. Yeah. Really, that's where you get that Cambrian-level explosion of developer uh, just activity, right? And like eventually, like users always follow the developers no matter what. Um, and uh, I do actually want to start with some of these like big names that have come onto yep. Immutable, uh, TikTok being the big one. And so yep. I'm, I'm a little bit curious. Uh, these big companies, like companies like TikTok or like other companies in the space that are non-crypto companies, 
the crypto world has been like trying to get other non-crypto people into the crypto space for a really, really long time. Yep. Uh, and so like, it, it, like 2018, 2019, it was just like the crypto world scratching at the door. It's like, hey, like come do crypto things. Uh, and then all of a sudden, like we get um, uh, NFTs on Immutable from TikTok. Can you tell us a little bit of, of that story? Like, yeah. did, did they come to you? Did you go to them? Like, what got them through the door? Like, yeah. what convinced them? How did how did that whole thing go down? Yeah. So I think they originally reached out, uh, and we got connected them through the Starkware folks, who mm. were obviously work closely with. And yeah, it's crazy. Like, if I told you a year ago, TikTok would be building NFTs on Ethereum, let alone a layer two on Ethereum, I would tell you it's crazy. Uh, but obviously that's a signal of just how far the industry's coming mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I think it's really exciting because I think it showcases a couple of things. The first is that major companies are doing this quite thoughtfully. Mm. This obviously isn't TikTok going all in. It's not as if their PL is, is based on this right now, but what it is, is you know, them looking to understand a, what is this industry about? Mm-hmm. Like, how is this going to be impact their future? Because every single major company around the world right now, like, if you're the head of innovation of a major social network, gaming, tech, SaaS company right now, and you're not looking at NFTs, are going to impact your monetization in three or five years. Like, you're not mm-hmm. doing your job. Like, you're mm-hmm. fired. Um, and especially if you're in UGC, like, this is the thing. This is the threat. This is user-generated content, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> the folks at home. Um, but literally, this is what, you know, uh, when Christensen talks about the innovative dilemma, this is what people are terrified of. Mm. And so you have this kind of carrot and the stick of, well, you could build a far more successful business on top of this model, but also you can't afford to not understand how it's going to impact you mm-hmm. um, and be able to participate in this new world. Right. Uh, so that that's TikTok and, and TikTok coming to uh, NFTs. We, we love that. Like, I think TikTok has something like a billion monthly yeah, active users. A Some now. Uh, act, like absolutely insane. Like that's one eighth of the whole entire planet yeah. that uses TikTok. Uh, do you have any detail, details about how the NFTs will actually work inside of the TikTok app? Do you know, know anything about that? Yeah. So, I mean, from TikTok, this is just an early play where they're looking mm-hmm. at um, like creating moments for their top creators. Okay. Um, but yeah, obviously the exciting thing is like they have the biggest repository of UGC in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it is a very exciting opportunity to for them to look at, well, like how do you take this from a patronage model or a advertising model, which is, mm-hmm. you know, the, like the, the most web two kind of monetization model you can have. Um, and ultimately not particularly rewarding for creators. Like that's why creators have to own their own stuff mm-hmm. through sponsorship, mm-hmm. content, whatever. Um, and looking at making that, digital native property mm-hmm. they can monetize. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's a big leap for the company. That's not what this deal is. Um, this is just an early exploration. Right. But yeah, we're, we're excited to support them on that journey. Fantastic. And congratulations on, on landing the partnership. There, uh, there's another one I want, I want to talk about, IMVU, yeah. which is, uh, according to the website, an avatar-based digital experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so like they're, they're like a, a kind of social metaverse. Um, I remember seeing their ads when I was like a kid. Um, and yeah, they've been around since 2004. They're an, they're an old company. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited about this because there are companies where NFTs just fit. Like mm-hmm. it is the native way that they will enter and, and, and monetize and do everything. It's not something being slapped on top. It's literally like, okay, this is how people are going to own stuff in the game right now. Um, and so while I won't reveal like the details of how they're going to do it, um, Invu is one of those companies. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm really, really excited. You know, it's, it's similar to a company like Second Life or mm-hmm. ones mm-hmm. where it's, it's really probably the earliest prototypes of people sort of uh, building social metaverses um, or, or self-actualizing in a digital environment. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really excited about that. And then uh, the, the next partnership that I want to go to is uh, ESL, which yep. uh, I, I didn't know ESL before, before uh, studying up for this interview, yep. but apparently ESL is like one of the largest yep. um, uh, esports leagues. And, yep. and so they are, have also like chosen to build on Immutable. What does that mean for them? What are they actually building when they yep. are building on Immutable? Yeah, so they're doing, uh, so they had like a, a, a CSGO kind of um, pro esports brand of mm-hmm. NFTs um, that we're doing with them. We're really excited because like CSGO is a sick property. Mm-hmm. We used to play as a kid. I think our CTO is a professional like uh, CSGO oh player <laughs> um, or like TF2 player. And so, yeah, the goal is basically kind of making moments out of those mm-hmm. esports um, content. Um, that's all kind of fully licensed through ASL. So yeah, they're really exciting as well. And obviously gaming is a niche that we have a particular focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. So. 
I love this metaphor of the internet itself is defined by the applications that are on it, right? Like we have this thing called the internet, it's a bunch of protocols, yeah. but really it's like Facebook, Google, YouTube, it's the apps that we use that, that really define what the internet yeah. is. Uh, and so you started off with Immutable so as, a, as a gaming platform. Here's, here's a layer two for NFTs for, yeah. for gaming, right? Um, but now we're also getting into like TikTok doing moments yeah. and uh, you know this metaverse company. So if you, when you look at all of the onboarding that Immutable has done with the companies around it, what is Immutable? Like yeah. what, what is the through line of all of these companies that are building on a th uh, Immutable? It's, if it's not a crypto gaming platform, which it is, but yeah. it's more than that now, right? And so what, from that perspective, the, the satellite view, what actually is Immutable? Yeah, so I mean, the, what I'd really describe it as is the NFT platform for the world built on mm -hmm. Ethereum. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, we, we aim to be the global back end for owning digital stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you want to create an NFT at Goldman Sachs because this is your new vertical in financialization, we want to be there. Mm -hmm. If you're creating an NFT in music because you want to empower artists to have better control over royalties or permissionlessly allocate things as, you know, different songs are spun up from different threads of IP, we want to be there. If you want to create a game that's minting hundreds of millions of assets per day to everyone playing World of Warcraft, we want to be there. If you're doing a PFP of crows, we want to be there. Um, <laughs> crows. <laughs> yeah. Crows PFP. I've not seen that one yet. That yeah. niche is unfilled. They, they went nuts on Ethereum. Oh, <laughs> not L2, actually. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, like what we've discovered is game, and, and this is always kind of our vision, but like if you solve the gaming, that's probably the most difficult use case you'll solve mm. for mm -hmm. um, because the complex kind of functionalities and edge cases cover a lot of different things. And ultimately, part of our thesis is that people will want to own their own form of distribution or idols. Mm -hmm. So when I see, you know, like let's think about a Fortnite coming into the space or a major gaming organization, and I'm not, you know, picking any names in particular, but when they do that, they will want to have their trading experience be in the Fortnite client. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and so our, our thesis is we want to be able to support that from a backend perspective on Ethereum, but we don't necessarily need to own the marketplace or whatever. Right. Um, they can use whatever they want, they can build their own, they can integrate with OpenSea, um, all of that stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, for the long-term bankless listeners, the protocol sync thesis comes to mind where uh, Immutable is not, it's not the front end, it's the back end, right? Yeah. It, it's, not, it's not a marketplace, it's a marketplace for marketplaces. Exactly. Right. And so it, it gives um, uh, self-sovereignty to the actual companies that come and build on Immutable. Yeah. When in the same way, it goes all the way down, right? Ethereum gives self-sovereignty to Immutable. Yep. And, that, and yep. the cool thing about rollups is that self-sovereignty is passed along to the companies that also build on Immutable, which is really, really important. Yeah, you said it better than I could. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Uh, I, I want to get a peek into the whole like BD side of things. So yeah. you, you said Immutable, or excuse me, uh, TikTok reached out to you guys. Yeah. What is the actual like BD strategy for Immutable? Do you guys have a BD strategy? Right, or right it now, like, it is Or like, is it just like, hey guys, like we're here, like come build on us. Yeah. Yeah, it's, right now it's handle inbounds. Yeah. Um, to be quite <laughs> so like, we're, we're it's not getting, a bad place to be. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Um, so we're getting like fifty to a hundred inbounds a day, mm -hmm. um, wanting to build an immutable. So we're literally just desperately growing our team, so we mm -hmm. can say hi to these people rather than kind of um, just replying to them with, with boilerplate emails. Um, so that's goal number one. Mm -hmm. uh, Goal number two is try and maximize distribution of our NFTs. So, you know, work with as many marketplaces as possible, um, work with as many aggregators as possible. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, number three is uh, ultimately, like, this is a massive war. Like, every single blockchain is out there with billions of dollars from whatever VC, you name it, looking to win this space. And the reason they have to do that is no one is going to build on any L1 apart from Ethereum unless they're getting paid big bucks to do it. Mm -hmm. Or unless some, you know, BD person is, is taking the ride every step of the way and offering MGs. Uh, and so, you know, a part of me kind of a little bit philosophically is like, you know, Ethereum needs its own warriors mm -hmm. um, to be bringing people onto its ecosystem, um, which I'm excited about. And, you know, we want to be there. We want to have a massive BD team. We also like, I, I still think candidly, the vast majority of the volume on the Immutable X mm -hmm. is going to be people just building because, and, and that's what we're really optimized for, right? Like, so that the metric I most care about Immutable is if someone wants to build an NFT business from like the second they want to start using us to the second they launch, how long does that take them? Um, and I want to get that down as, as short as possible so people mm -hmm. can build whatever they want, whenever they want. 
Uh, Robbie, what's your favorite use case of Immutable? Do you like, are you, which game do you like to play the most? Yeah, um, oh, I, sh I shouldn't, because like, I'll, I'll be too biased, but like, they're, they're really exciting things. Um, obviously, we've got our internal content, so mm -hmm. Gods Unchained and Guild of Guardians. Right. I'm really excited for what they're going to do. Now, the Gods Unchained token out, um, the Guild of Guardians token about to come out, um, and the IMX token. Look, at the end of the day, our goal with mm -hmm. the IMX token um, is to be able to supercharge every single ecosystem which builds on us. Mm -hmm. So anytime someone trades in that protocol, they are earning a piece of the underlying protocol. So that means like no matter where you're coming from, if you're coming from Invu, if you're coming from TikTok, like you're all literally becoming an owner of you know, the Immutable X protocol, um, which I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. And we definitely want to get into the token conversation because everyone loves the token conversation. Yeah. And there's also a few, like we're going to, in the second half of the show, we're going to get into the technical sides of the Immutable rollup. Yeah. It's, a, it's a ZK rollup. There are things to discuss there. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and talk about that in the second half of the show, right after we talk about some of these fantastic sponsors sponsors that make the show possible. The era of proof of stake is upon us. Proof of stake systems like Ethereum, Terra, and Solana allow the industry to move away from the hot, loud, and wasteful proof of work systems and return back to a cottage industry of individual stakers and individual validators. And that is what we need to make this industry stay decentralized. Individuals must play their part in crypto network validation. And that is what Lido is here to do. Lido makes staking accessible to everyone at the click of a button. By delegating your stake to Lido's network of nodes, you can access the yield offered by proof-of-stake systems and claim your share of the network transaction rewards. Do you have 32 ETH and want to stake it to Ethereum, but running a node sounds intimidating? Or maybe you have less than 32 ETH and you need to pool your ETH with others so you can access staking yields. Lido offers a solution for both. Simply go to lido.fi, choose which assets you want to stake, and deposit them to the Lido validating network. Lido is working to make sure proof of stake stays as decentralized as possible, and is committed to decentralizing its own validating network to eventually become a completely permissionless protocol. So if you want to stake your ETH, Terra, or Sol, and get liquidity on your stake, go to Lido.fi to get started. The Aave protocol is a decentralized liquidity protocol on Ethereum, which allows users to supply and borrow certain crypto assets. Aave version 2 has a ton of cool features that makes using the Aave protocol even more powerful. With Aave, you can leverage the full power of DeFi Money Legos, yield, and composability all in one application. On Aave, there are a ton of assets that you can supply to the protocol in order to gain yield, and all of those same assets can also be borrowed from the protocol if you have supplied collateral. Here you can see me borrowing 200 USDC against my portfolio of a number of different DeFi tokens in ETH. I'll choose a variable interest rate because it's a lower rate than the stable interest rate option, but I could choose the stable interest rate option if I wanted to lock in that interest rate in permanently. V2 also features the ability for users to swap collateral without having to withdraw their assets, trade them on Uniswap, and then deposit them back into Aave. With Aave, users can do this in one seamless transaction, saving you time and gas costs. Check out the power of Aave at Aave.com. That's A-A-V-E.com. And we're back. All right, Robbie, uh, let's talk about the technical details of the Immutable X rollup. So it is built on Starkware, yep. but it is not Starkware. It is something else. Yep. It's its own rollup, yep. kind of in the same way that DYDX, also built on Starkware, yep. not actually Starkware itself. So can you talk about like, how is there a flavor to Starkware that Immutable X is? Like, how does that work? It's not Starkware, but it's something else. What yeah. is, why is it different? Oh, well, it's a different layer of the stack. So mm -hmm. we use StarkX, obviously, is the, like the, the core technology for generating these ZK proofs at the mm -hmm. end of the day, that's not where mm -hmm. we play. Um, and then we do kind of all the rest of the work. So mm -hmm. app trap into APIs, um, create our backend order book, which is like really our strategy as a company is uh, what matters most in people building NFTs is user experience, mm -hmm. security, and liquidity. Like those are the only three things people ever care about when they come and build an NFT project. User experience is when mainstream customers can come to me, can I create something frictionless? And that's frankly where, like, I, I think Ethereum needs the biggest improvements because you need to be able to purchase something frictionlessly with a credit card. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to onboard if you want to uh, with a, a easy kind of custodial wallet onboarding and then be able to choose to offboard. And so those are the kinds of problems we're looking to partner or solve through, through those sorts of mechanisms. Two, liquidity. This is the thing where I think Ethereum has by far the biggest advantage, which is at the end of the day, companies want to have 
revenue and volume. Like mm -hmm. that is the goal of digital property. If no one trades your property, if no one cares about the universe of physics in which your property lives, mm -hmm. no one's going to trade it. Mm -hmm. And so our thesis there was always build on Ethereum rather than compete with Ethereum because it's incredibly difficult to generate liquidity apart from it. Um, in fact, you know, the majority of liquidity we're seeing elsewhere is either heavily propped up or within a really like siloed walled garden, mm -hmm. um, whereas Ethereum is like this open internet. And so the choice is, well, you know, um, is it going to be valuable to own a .com on Microsoft Services Network? No. Mm -hmm. In fact, like they, they, they no longer matter. Um, and so our, our goal is really the property which is going to matter is the property which lives in the set of physics that everyone wants to use, mm -hmm. uh, Ethereum. Right. Um, and then finally, of course, is security, which is kind of... It's not something people actively ask for, but it's just table stakes. And people don't realize they want it until something goes wrong. And we've seen examples, Solana right. going down for 24 hours, uh, the $600 million poly network hack, right. the $2 million bounty, which was paid out to an $800 million exploit on um, Polygon mm -hmm. the other day. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, I think that this is the thing I was never happy to compromise on it from company. Mm -hmm. Not just for the people building on us, but also because I don't want that existential risk. Like if someone lost millions of dollars because of a security vulnerability in mm -hmm. the protocol we built, like, that would be awful. Right. Um, from It'd be great to just build Immutable for three years and then in the back of your head is like, is today the day that the bug comes? Is yeah. it tomorrow? It's just like, yeah. oh, oh, and, and it's arrived. Like now I have yeah. to deal with this. Yeah. Like it's a distraction from building yeah. the actual business. Yeah, it's it's what I call the, the sand philosophy or sleeping at night, which is like, <laughs> I generally try to optimize toward that. Um, <laughs> That's great, I'm gonna use that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think th those are kind of the three tenets we looked at mm -hmm. when, when building Immutable and it's, um, exciting to see a lot of that value proposition come to life today and the core things we're focusing on is like maximizing liquidity maximizing mm -hmm. user experience so on a, um, a very like narrow perspective again like DYDX also built on Starkware yeah. uh, Immutable also built on Starkware yeah. why is it not the same L2 like why do have you guys changed something about the actual technical details that make it the NFT gaming optimized yeah, so like, like the, how does that work the, they're different implementations of Starkx right, right? Mm -hmm. so like uh, I don't think NFTs are supported on DYDX mm -hmm. um, it they're fundamentally different architecture. Like it's not like they have a, a global order book, which mm -hmm. is um, being used and also they're not a platform. They're, they're sort of more like an exchange product, right? Mm -hmm. um, and incredibly successful, like I love that team. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and, and, and obviously we're, we're gonna see a trend toward um, L2 composability, mm -hmm. L2 interoperability. I'm really excited to see how that space plays out and, and like kind of um, play a defining role in it. It is still early days um, and at the end of the day, the friction between them is still going to be reasonably high, at least for a year or two. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely something that we're interested in keeping close tabs on. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, the roll-up conversation, it's always a very complicated one. It, it takes a while for a lot of people, including myself, I, I know yeah. this from experience, to understand the details about roll-ups. Yeah. So can you talk about why a ZK roll-up, a zero-knowledge roll-up yeah. over an optimistic roll-up? Can you just kind of hash that out for our listeners? Yeah, of course. Um, so. For listeners out there, the main difference between a ZK rollup and an optimistic rollup is in the nature of the proofs that they use. So a ZK rollup uses a validity proof, and mm -hmm. optimistic rollup uses a fraud-based proof. <laughs> uh, and the differences between those two is a validity proof is valid from day one, mm -hmm. and uh, a fraud proof can be proven to be fraudulent, and mm -hmm. that's kind of how it relies. Um, and so it was actually this amazing Twitter thread. I forget who wrote it. Um, maybe we can find a link and, and drop it, but it's yep. like, the, the ZK city versus the optimistic city. Um, the ZK city, like you have to show papers to get in and you're not allowed in unless it's um, valid papers. And the optimistic city security is like, you can walk in and there's a bounty on your head and mm -hmm. anyone can kind of shoot you and claim the bounty. Um, and so like fundamentally, I think ZK rollups are a, a superior form of rollup technology. The short-term advantage to optimistic rollups is EVM compatibility, mm -hmm. um, which is why lots of the more sort of DeFi-focused um, platforms are, are using optimistic-based rollups, which is awesome. Um, but for NFTs, you very much want a fast withdrawal times, mm -hmm. which you don't have with with optimism, um, because you have to wait right. for those four proofs and seven days for for the listeners. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. exactly. And which is a, a, an arbitrary number. We've just chosen seven days, but there is a time, a window of time where you have to actually submit the fraud. It's like, oh, I actually captured the guy. I got the guy with the yeah. bounty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And obviously you can make market makers. So you can have people kind of um, provide liquidity on either side, assuming some risk. 
you can't really do it with NFTs because mm -hmm. I can't right. loan you a right. one of one CryptoPunk right. or value that CryptoPunk right. effectively. Right. Um, and so it just doesn't work for NFTs. Um, and the other thing and the major thing that people think people don't actually think about is cost. Mm -hmm. um, like the way we run, especially in Validium, is drastically, drastically cheaper. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at any reasonable sort of scale, like let's say you're doing 100K NFT trades a day, um, the differences between, I mean, you pay nothing for trades on Immutable X, you right. pay nothing for mints, um, but the difference in terms of the actual cost mm -hmm. is like between fractions of a cent and like um, anywhere from literally a couple of cents up to like 20 cents, 50 cents per NFT transfer, which is just, mm -hmm. I think, very... Yeah, it's it's a lot of cost. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, we uh, we talk about Arbitrum and, and optimism as like the, I think the DeFi branding is really really right, right? Yeah. Like uh, trading on Uniswap on Ethereum costs like twenty to sixty dollars. Yeah. On Arbitrum and Optimism, it'll cost like two to five dollars, which is really good, really really yeah. really good. But when we talk about gaming and the velocity of some of these assets, two to five dollars, like how many things do you want to do inside of a game, like? a hundred things yeah. inside of an hour, yeah. two to five dollars, that really adds up. And so it really starts to matter to get down to those fractions yeah. of a penny. And the the actual just uh, computational power of a ZK rollup, the actual compression that uh, cryptography allows, that's what gets us to that fractions of a penny of, of, of costs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and obviously we're able to put that data availability into a committee mm -hmm. if we want to. So we like we support Volition, which is you can either have all your data on chain mm -hmm. um, or, or use a DAC. And uh, Optimism at the moment is, is forced to just keep the data on chain. Right. In fact, like, yeah, it's, right. it's very difficult for them to move away from that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so you hinted this before we went through the sponsors, but about uh, users of the immutable platform owning the actual platform because when they do things, they will get the IMX yeah. token. So let's actually go into the IMX token itself. What is the purpose of the IMX token? What does it do? How does it fit into the whole entire ecosystem? Yeah, of course. So ultimately, like the, the goal of the IMX token is to be a utility token that is driving growth of the network. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's very different to a like a native consumption token. We never mm -hmm. force users to buy it. I actually hate those models because they just cause massive right. friction to end users. Right. And at the end of the day, like our heroes have to be the people building on Immutable X. Mm -hmm. If it's not ridiculously easy for your customers to trade NFTs, we're not doing our jobs. Uh, but uh, what we do have is a like 20% of all fees for the protocol must be paid for an IMX. We do that mm -hmm. as a swap under the hood to avoid friction to the end user. Cool. Um, and then basically like the vast, vast majority of these tokens, I think like 70% or so, is literally paid out to users of the network. Mm -hmm. um, so some of that's in like grants, developers building on us. Um, so come reach out and we can allocate you some. Uh, some are to users. In fact, the vast majority are literally to traders and users. Um, mm -hmm. So anyone who performs some active value to the network, whether it's trading, depositing, creating an NFT, will be earning IMX tokens. Um, I actually really like the model which we're, we're doing it, which is we'll basically tally um, the 24-hour volume and then whatever percentage of that, and, and you'll get like coins along the way, and then whatever percentage of the total sort of volume you've participated in for that 24 hours, you earn the daily allocation of IMX tokens mm -hmm. for. Yeah. You said 20% um, of the fees are paid in the IMX token. What's yeah. the 80%? Is that up to the actual like uh, market participants? How does that work? So no, that, that's literally how we make money mm -hmm. and how Starkware makes money. Uh, wait, the the 80%? Yeah. Okay, so 20% of IMX fees uh, are paid to the immutable layer two, as in the... The token. Okay, yep. so that 20%, that, that goes to the people running the actual roll-up, the sequencer, which is you guys? Uh, and then, so 80% goes between us and Starkware, oh, okay. and then 20% goes to the actual token. Okay, yeah. Okay, so 20%, so there's a bunch of transactional volume on yep. the roll-up, 80% gets split between you and Starkware, 20% uh, gets burned? 20% uh, gets actually... Um, Bought, basically, the, the fee has to be paid for in that, mm -hmm. um, and then it's distributed to all existing owners of the IMX token. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Okay, so when it comes to like um, uh, allowing people to own the rollup, right? Like own, ownership yep. of the rollup, uh, can people like uh, be part of the validator of the rollup itself? It, how how is the decentralization of the rollup possible, it, yeah, or is yeah. that even on the roadmap? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So mm -hmm. ultimately. It's very different in that, like, you don't really need validators in the same way you do, like, a layer one or, mm -hmm. or, or kind of a consensus mechanism um, in that we can't lie. Mm -hmm. um, the the trade-off you do make is uh, sensitive resistance. Mm -hmm. So, like, obviously, we could just 
not include a transaction. Mm -hmm. But we're moving towards A, decentralized sequencing um, and inclusion of those transactions, but B, also things like composable sequencing. So if we want to throw away one trade, we have to throw away every trade mm -hmm. because you can mm -hmm. include kind of sure. like, com like cryptographic details of, of previous transactions. Um, so we make it very, very tricky for, for us to throw those things away. And at the end of the day, it's a brilliant trade-off because if we're censoring you, just mm -hmm. remove your stuff. But right. we can never lie about your stuff. We can never steal right. your stuff. Like that is the fundamental guarantee. That's the power of cryptography, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's it's very difficult to have a com like no compromise in, mm -hmm. in the trilemma. This is by far the best compromise you can get. Mm -hmm. um, did that answer the question? I've actually yeah. So like, is the the sequence or the 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 thing that is actually making the blockchain happen? Yeah. And again, the power of rollups is that we can actually uh, centralize this thing because cryptography yeah. is the check, right? Like yeah. you 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 can centralize, be centralized, but cryptography and rollups connect these things back to the L1. So is there just like one server that is the immutable server that that is the thing, or is it like a few servers? How does that work? Yeah. So in terms of including transactions, it's mm -hmm. literally just us, mm -hmm. um, but. Again, you know, that's something where we can move toward decentralized like, mm -hmm. sequencing and inclusion. Mm -hmm. But of course, there's also the data availability committee. Right. Um, and then on full CK rollup mode, which will be rolling out like in, in Q1, so Volition, you can choose mm -hmm. which vault state you want to participate in. Um, you know, you wouldn't need a DAC at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, just to hash the data availability thing out, uh, <laughs> this is getting into some some yeah. deep uh, Ethereum like technical stuff. But uh, data is really really important when you write a transaction and yeah. it goes into Ethereum and gets embedded into the blockchain. Same thing with rollups. When you make a transaction on a rollup, the uh, data goes into the rollup. Yeah. But actually, not with Immutable, not with uh, the the zk rollup that you guys have built. The data is elsewhere. Can you just kind of parse that out yeah. for our listeners? Where yeah. does the data live, and what are the differences that that makes the rollup. Yeah. So what we are implementing is volition, which means you can choose uh, as an end user, do you want your data to be stored basically uh, in Validium mode or in ZK mm -hmm. rollup mode? Um, the difference is one will be stored by a data availability committee and one will be stored on chain. Always the transactions are still like irrefutable. Mm -hmm. The main difference is um, in Validium mode, you're just storing the hash root of the Merkle, uh, like the Merkle tree. Mm -hmm. um, in uh, full rollup mode, you're storing every single delta in the branches of that tree. Right. Um, and basically, that means in, in the latter state, you don't need a data availability committee to provide you with the information you need to reconstruct that proof back to L1 in order to withdraw your assets in a nuclear case, like immutable is evil, Starkware is evil. Mm -hmm. um, in a data availability committee, uh, you would just go to any one of those committee members and grab that data. It's very different to a set of validators because you don't need consensus among those, like that DSE. You just need one of them to tell the truth. And so we can literally up, like, just upload this stuff to IPFS. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the end of the day, like, this is a great trade-off for users to make or for, for games to make. They can be like, well, look, here's our view on security. Users with assets above a certain value might want to use like full ZK rollup mode. They're paying more like 10 cents per NFT transfer. Mm -hmm. Validium mode for like, hundreds of millions of NFTs a day and, and you know, like true scalability. I think this is a, you know, this is where we want the, the spectrum of trade-offs for people to play. Right. And yeah, so the, the idea is that when you take data, which is really, really expensive as it gets onto Ethereum, yep. less expensive when you get onto rollup, but still something. Yep. Uh, if you take that data and put it in a different place, that's where you get like really just scalable, very cheap, very fast transactions. Yep. So that's, that's definitely the strategy yep. there. Yep. Other ways scalable, one is like, you know, literally do 300 million NFTs mm -hmm. in a day and, mm -hmm. and it's affordable. Right. And so earlier you said that uh, it doesn't cost anything to mint on Immutable. It doesn't cost anything yeah. to trade on Immutable. It does. But you're, what you're saying is that it's actually not paid by the user. And because it's gotten so cheap, yeah. Immutable is actually taking that, that cost. Because yeah. as all blockchains have, there are resources available. We have certain amounts of throughput. We have certain amounts of data that we can give people. But because of these, uh, actually, uh, the, the way that Immutable is designed, yeah. It does cost something, but Immutable is actually taking that resource cost upon the, yeah. the team and not the user. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it'll cost us eight figures a year. Um, mm -hmm. That will increase as we get larger, but it's polylogarithmic, so mm -hmm. our costs are broadly fixed. Uh, the mm -hmm. main thing we'll do is uh, increase the frequency of how frequently upload rollups, mm -hmm. which will linearly increase the cost of obvious. Um, but yeah, so we're using Ethereum as a settlement layer, and we're just kind of 
rolling up to it. When yeah. you say it'll cost eight figures a year, what is that cost? Is that like running the Literally hardware? uploading proofs. Okay, or yeah. uploading proofs to what? To Ethereum. Ethereum? Okay, yeah. so submitting uh, transactions to Ethereum, yeah. you've estimated that that's gonna cost you eight figures a year of just yeah. gas fees to Ethereum. Yeah, as, as, as we get to the scale we want. And then obviously there are, there's actually non-trivial computational costs, mm -hmm. um, at least in the real world, they're just, relatively trivial compared to actual right. blockchain costs. Right, and so um, that's hardware costs you're talking yeah. about. Like there's actually like a, yeah. a supercomputer yeah. somewhere like doing all that stuff. But yeah, this is ridiculously computationally intensive. Right. Like <laughs> these proofs are not um, simple to generate. They're just simple and compared to like blockchain work. Totally, yeah. totally. Okay, so yeah, so eight figures a year. That's the gas fees paid to the Ethereum L1 blockchain. Yeah. Is the, uh, so uh, the 80% of the fees that uh, takes that is taken by Immutable split between you guys and Starkware. Is that where some of that money goes for? It, is that where's the connection there? Yeah, I mean that that's used to pay for the rollups, used to mm -hmm. grow our business. That's how we make money. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the reason I like it is our incentives are always aligned with end users, which is like we take bips on trades, mm -hmm. so we want volume to be maximized. Um, it's a the other thing I like is we don't force users to use a native token. Mm -hmm. So like when you use a sidechain, you have to buy the sidechain token. At the end of the day, we just want people to be able to trade as frictionlessly as possible, and so like. Our, our promise is volume. Totally. Yeah. So just to make sure we, we hash this out for, for the listeners, there we talk about Immutable as like it's a, a, a permissionless platform to, to build on. Yeah. But then under the hood, there's a lot of revenue going to a centralized team between yep. you guys you guys and Starfire. Yep. Uh, and we, while we do want ownership of Immutable to be spread out and distributed, there's also that 80% fee that's baked in that connects yep. to, to these two companies. Uh, what would you say to a listener that says like, well, like if you bake that thing in, like how do we actually have ownership over Immutable? Uh, what would you say to that, that concern? Yeah, uh, well, I think ownership comes down to a few things, which is governance mm -hmm. um, and fee entitlement um, and sort of exposure to upside of the protocol. Mm -hmm. The exposure is the thing we're sharing through the Immutable X token. Like this, this thing is sort of exposed to, um, you know, it's, it's necessary to be used for transactions um, that we swap. So obviously there's no friction for, for end users. And so mm -hmm. like in terms of that, people absolutely do own the protocol. Um, and then to the second piece, I think, which is um, governance, like obviously there's going to be governance value to IMX and, and we want to increase that over time. But it's also not needed because mm. there is no level of sort of centralization that has to be decentralized. Right. Like the, the way that it's constructed is you can have an operator like us and you can still completely right. not have to trust this thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I guess that's that's my perspective. And it, it's it's more of in, in, in this sense, like a, a sort of growth and utility token um, than it is something that is is trying to decentralize governance from day one right yeah right yeah and that that is the power of uh, roll-ups of all flavors and especially zk roll-ups is that like well actually the whole entire thing about zk roll-ups and and having like this immutable connection to ethereum no pun intended uh is, is that like there is no we don't need a king we don't need governors like yeah. that's what cryptography replaces yeah Exactly. Totally. Let, let's talk about um, the developer strategy. Um, from from my limited understanding of crypto uh, cryptography, which is actually pretty good, as, as uh, yep. I, I think. Yeah, I um, think so. <laughs> how, from developing on a zk rollup is difficult, right? There, yep. there's a bunch of like backend infrastructure that yep. needs to be built out. I believe uh, there's this native uh, coding language called Cairo, which is yep. different from Solidity. What's the strategy for lowering the barriers for developers to coming on and building on it? Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that is our company strategy which is abstract everything into apis like mm -hmm. we want to be i i'm always loath to say the x for y because <laughs> it just makes you seem like a shitty version of that company mm -hmm. um but our, our kind of technological um approachability we want to be very similar to stripes mm -hmm. so you can come and build on us in literally an hour or less you never have to talk to us. Mm -hmm. You can start trading with APIs. People have literally built a marketplace on us in 48 hours with two devs. Mm -hmm. um, so like that is crazy compared to what that would take you on L1. Um, and obviously we're handling all of the sort of like throughput requirements and, and things that'll normally be a nightmare to support. So um, our goal is to take all of the best bits of that technology and then just abstract it into a ridiculously easy set of RESTful APIs. Yeah. Okay, so say, I, I don't know what the typical coding language for a developer is in the Web2 world, maybe it's JavaScript, uh, something, I don't know. I have the normal set of skills that a developer would have in the Web2 world, and yep. then I get like pitched by this gaming company yep. and we're building on Immutable. What skills do I need that I wouldn't have brought to the table already to, to build on Immutable? Or literally, is it, literally none. None, yeah. that's the whole idea of yeah. like, uh, Anyone who can use an API, which is 
any developer right. will literally be able to use Immutable. That, that's, that's okay. Conversation's over. <laughs> All right, there we yeah. go. Okay. Uh, so one, of the, one of the questions I, I want to ask and, and just uh, pick your brain about is if I mint an NFT on Immutable natively yeah. and that NFT becomes really, really valuable yeah. and I want to take it elsewhere yeah. uh, and I take it to Ethereum, we have this data availability committee, which yeah. is the data is in a different spot than Ethereum. Yeah. What does it mean for me to take my NFT off of Immutable and onto Perfect. Ethereum? So I, I will, and, and this is often a, a common misconception, the mm. data is not the metadata that's ah, okay. in that committee. Okay. That is literally the, uh, it's, it's like the delta in the leaf state of the tree, which means the transfer data. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the actual data associated with the NFT. That's still wherever your normal L1 right. NFT is, sure. which is like, you know, often on, on some form of IPFS right. or like, AWS right. server that you're pointing to with a with a fun fact. Hash. Your JPEG's not on Ethereum. It's somewhere else. Yes, <laughs> in vast majority of circumstances. Um, so, yeah, like it, it literally is withdrawn to L1. It has mm -hmm. all of the same properties as L1. Like that. That is really our guarantee, which is counterfactually the exact thing that secures all of your data in L1 is still associated with your day, uh, okay. your NFT when it's on L2. Otherwise, there's no point to this whole thing. Right. Um, and so, if if you wanted to even store it, like this is actually a really cool thing. Is like if you wanted to store it with uh, immutable metadata, and again, not a pun, like as in non-mutable. <laughs> God, sometimes I regret this company name. Um, <laughs> you can do that, and you can do it via what we call a like uh, kind of counterfactual blueprint, which is actually my favorite thing, which is mm -hmm. something that has to be past the L1 contract when it's withdrawn. Mm -hmm. So you could actually store a bunch of data, which is counterfactually stored on L1 mm -hmm. for, for very, very few, little gas, like mm -hmm. literally zero gas. Um, and so if you wanted to put an image on uh, you know, all of that data, the only thing you'd be capacity constrained by is, is the size of that blueprint. Right. Okay. Um, uh, going in a completely different direction as we come to a close on this, uh, Robbie, you're a gamer. I'm also a gamer. Yep. I love Diablo yep. 2. Famously, yep. Ethereum got started because yep. we wanted immutable games. Uh, yep. if the, for the people that don't understand that reference, Vitalik made this joke that uh, there was this uh, spell in World of Warcraft. Maybe you Drain know, life. Yeah, drain yeah. life. Yeah. And uh, it was like the, it was why Vitalik's World of Warcraft character was so powerful. And then Blizzard, the centralized company, like nerfed it and he was like devastated. And so he made Ethereum because we wanted this immutable like it's not really why but like this it's a funny joke uh robbie what what games did you play growing up and then what games are you excited for to play on immutable yeah um so i was a massive runescape nerd ah um, yeah runescape. back in the day yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i love runescape um like i still get nostalgia when the original login theme is played mm -hmm. um i played a bunch of neopets actually that's a <laughs> massive confession um but i was obsessed with it when i was younger i loved like the economy of it like mm -hmm. just trading um it's an interesting game. Like the, it also kind of peddles gambling to kids, mm -hmm. um, which is maybe why I got my obsession for crypto trading. <laughs> um, and then I was a League of Legends addict. Mm -hmm. um, I was really bad. I was like <laughs> silver three at best, and I had invested 3,000 hours mm -hmm. um, over year 11 and 12, which is like your final two years in high school. Um, and I am basically called Turkey now because mm -hmm. I have such an addictive personality that mm -hmm. I, like, I can't play mm -hmm. games. Replace um, your addiction with building. Yeah. Not, not bad. Not a bad trade. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, I'm probably most excited for um, every single game building on Immutable. So come <laughs> and apply. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, uh, w getting into the conversation about crypto gaming more broadly, like yeah. metaverse gaming, crypto gaming. What are you excited for with Web3 as it changes changes the, the game? Again, yeah. Full of puns today. Changes the game about gaming. Like Web3 is going to do, it's going to put assets into games. Yep. What are you excited for with that world? What happens when assets are in games? Yeah, I, I think so. I'm I'm really interested to see how a few things play out. Mm -hmm. The first is I'm interested in this uh, sort of core play to earn growth loop mm -hmm. and seeing how that starts to impact growth trajectories of games. I mean, crypto is the only industry we've ever seen where you can literally bootstrap a company to the same sorts of metrics that unicorns would love to have after a decade mm -hmm. in a week mm -hmm. because of economic incentives like, you know, liquidity farming, yield farming. And so applying that same idea to games and using that to drive like growth and retention via share to earn, play to earn campaigns, as we saw with you know massive successes this year, is really interesting. Um, so I'm excited to see that kind of hit the mainstream and become literally the core playbook for game devs. Like, oh yeah, you want to build a successful game in the same way that people now focus on like day one retention, day seven retention, day 30 retention, like core loop, first 30 second kind of gameplay experience. 
I want people to be thinking about, oh yeah, what's like, what's your, you know, tokenomics? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. What sort of viral sharing scheme you're using? What's your vesting schedule on tokens? Like these are the things that will be part of the playbook for for, um, anyone wanting to create a massive game in the future. The second thing I'm really interested in seeing is the inverted incentives where people are building content for the actual NFTs. Mm. And so obviously this is one of the, things people love to talk about most which is you know the the classic paradigm is um you create the context in which that content is valuable people then purchase that content and now the focus is on creating the universe where the content is permanent and anyone can build an experience on top of it via incentives and so that is fascinating and that is actually the model that already games like roblox are obviously moving toward which is like core avatars and people can build incentivized experiences on top of that now take that and instead of making it a shitty web two centralized experience incentivization ecosystem, but make it web three and anyone can permissionlessly build and you can gain far higher share of revenue. I'm pretty excited for what this uh, ends up doing. And then my broad thesis is that like, um, you know, Clayton Christensen's famous thing is like commoditize your compliments, which is any compliment complementary goods to the service you offer, you want to make as cheap as possible because they're going to increase the premium and demand for your good. And the complementary goods of like uh, gaming or or pretty much all digital content people consume today is like the cost of creation. Mm. And the cost of creation is plummeting. It is like going to be at zero in a few decades. You will literally go to GPT-3 or like GPT-17 and you'll be like, make me a game with X, Y, and Z and it'll just create some experience for you on the fly. And when you have the cost of creation so cheap, what matters is A, what do people care about? Mm -hmm. And B, what do people find valuable? Because with infinite content, the value is actually selection. Um, In that, you know, I, I was always obsessed by this um, crazy thought experiment growing up, which was like um, a book, and um, you, it, the book would generate a string of, of ones and zeros in like an infinite number of multiverses, uh, and then you could submit, and I'm going to butcher this, but you could basically um, convert that data, and then anyone in the multiverse could submit a number. And whichever one of the multiverses submitted the highest number would be the one that all the universes resolved to, like the ones and zeros. And so the theory was you could generate any piece of content and then, like, let's say, transform it into a movie and then submit that movie to the Oscars application process, these ones and zeros. And um, 99.999 for a while would be nothing. It would be garbage. They wouldn't convert into movie formats. Then some portion would convert into movie formats and some portion would convert into the most compelling beautiful Oscar-winning content ever. Mm. And that would be the one, and you type in the number of Oscars you won. Um, and <laughs> I mean, that's a nuts thought experiment, right. but it actually is kind of the universe we're moving toward to, right. which is with infinite UGC, all that matters is how do you select what humans find valuable? Right. And that is where crypto incentives and gaming incentives mm-hmm. is going to be amazing. You know, it's going to be, how can we create the universes that people care about for the content that everyone already values? Mm-hmm. And the, one of the lines that I try and get into bankless uh, listeners' heads is the cool, the really cool thing about crypto is that it aligns human values with the market value of our assets, right? Those two things are bridged. And, yeah. and what you're talking about is like, and why it's really, really important yeah. to collapse the costs of transacting on an on immutable and building on immutable down to the absolute minimum. Yeah. And also simultaneously making building on a, on immutable permissionless and censorship resistant, as in anyone can do it. So yeah. anyone can build. The cost of building or the absolute minimum. Yeah. We can finally build things that fundamentally align with the things that we want. Yeah. Right. And what do people want? Like, well, growing up, like it, people want to game. Like people yeah. really want to build games. People want a game and. I, I often think about like where is humanity headed over the next century? Mm-hmm. I think we all like hopefully we don't settle into AI is evil and, and kills us all and puts mm-hmm. us into eternal conscious torment. That wouldn't be nice. In the upside case, we're headed toward post scarcity. Mm-hmm. We're headed toward you know the way that people are going to find meanings in their lives, probably living forever and um, probably living with no some form of economic input, like humans aren't going to be economically valuable apart from human to human labor in mm. kind of 50 years, 100 years. Um, maybe that, that's, that's actually pretty aggressive, but like I think probably a century. Um, so the only thing that matters is then A, how do we find meaning? And B, 
what stuff economically matters. And in both cases, it's it's like crypto and gaming. Like mm-hmm. people will live <laughs> by playing games because that's the only the only thing we can do is create artificial meaning and like mm-hmm. and find meaning with each other, which I think is cool. People lament that they're being like, people won't have a purpose in life. I'm like. People's purpose is not to work. Mm-hmm. Um, people's purpose is to live and experience and find meaning. And I don't think that has to be rooted in the creation of economic right. value. Um, and then B is, well, in a world where everything's post-scarcity, perhaps the only thing that matters is going to be bragging rights, mm-hmm. in which case, buy a CryptoPunk. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, it's fantastic to hear the perspective of a founder who has that, that idea and vision for the future of the world. And then can also talk about like the fundamental properties of ZK rollups and go very, very deep in the weeds. So yeah. uh, it's no surprise that Immutable has seen the success that it has. So congratulations on all the success so far. Uh, we've, we've talked about the IMX token. And uh, just because we're going to be talking about it, this does not mean it's an investment advice or that uh, this is an idea to, to buy it. But, but we're, everyone loves the, the token conversation. So let's finish that off. Uh, you said the token floats this Friday. Uh, go into yeah. those details. What, what does that I actually, mean? I actually, look, I don't know the exact date. So I don't know what Okay. Okay. But I, yeah, I think it's pretty soon, um, and it'll be obviously floating on a few exchanges um, and centralized exchanges. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because oh, I guess you guys wouldn't necessarily mint the Uniswap contract because somebody else probably will, and then it'll just end up there. Yeah. Look, right. whatever people do is is what whatever they're entitled to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if uh, you come and like. Uh, transfer your assets on the Ethereum L1 to the Immutable L2, is it kind of like Polygon where you need to have the IMX token on that network too? Or, or how does it happen? No. You'll, ne- you'll never need to buy IMX in order to use our network. Okay. Right. Okay, so it's just about owning the platform, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, what, what exchanges are going to have the token? Um, so the one we've announced so far is uh, Huobi. Huobi. Okay. Yeah. And then there's a few others in the pipeline which uh, you are not ready to disclose? Potentially. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I'll leave this one to the team and, and, and to how he relates it. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, Robbie, thank you for coming on Bankless yeah. once again. Uh, you're you're uh, a pleasure to talk to, as always, and I, I wish you the best with the future of Immutable. Thanks, David. Cheers. Boom. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence. We recommend joining our daily newsletter, podcast, and community as a Bankless Premium subscriber to get the most out of your Bankless experience. You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks, and exclusive content, and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles, and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. Click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, Ask Me Anythings, and weekly roll-ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the Bankless Nation.